says that, you know, when they go low, we go high. No. No. When they go low, we kick them. That's what, that's what this new Democratic Party is about. Yes. Now, when I say, you know, we kick them, I don't mean we do anything inappropriate. We don't do anything illegal. But we got to be tough. I'm not sure what he means. I, is the longer version, version, does he explain himself? by What he means by tough? He, should, he, he, he's, he certainly ought to be aware enough of the way media works and the culture and time we're living in and everything like that. That's just the phrase. Whatever explanation comes before or after is not mm-hmm. going to matter. Well, you know me. My hallmark, Jack, is that I seek the truth. And I'd like to know what he actually meant by that. But part of the reason I asked that is I think he's exactly wrong. Did we mention that that's Eric Holder, the former ter- attorney general under Barack Obama? Right, the mustachioed the fellow. Charming guy trying right. to cover up a number of crimes as the attorney general. <laughs> anyway, um, <clears throat> I just think he's wrong. I think the really... You know, the Antifa style screaming in elevators, hounding people out of restaurants thing. I think that's popular in a very narrow band of America. I think most of America, I agree. I think most of America is horrified by that. Now, it could be Eric Holder, who is a very intelligent man, has uh, decided that it's that band of the electorate that he must get um, to to launch his presidential bid in 2020, which he's clearly thinking about. Um, If so, that's that's an interesting calculation and I think an amoral one. But I, I think if he thinks that sort of thing is the way to go, and that will vault him to uh, popularity, I think he's wrong. So there, I'm not ready to go on this yet. It's it's complicated. Of course, it worked for Trump in a way. Uh, it fits in with his talk, topic, and I'm not quite completely ready to go on this. I was reading about this at two o'clock in the morning last night because my son stays up all night long. Oh boy, all night long. He never sleeps. Um, but um, George Will wrote an article about it, and then there was yet another article in another newspaper about th- this um, academic story that's getting so much attention that you may have heard about on the Armstrong and Getty show, about those fake papers that were All submitted right. in, yeah. the, in the grievance studies departments of, uh, of various colleges around the country, about how that, that story is... Uh, What's going on in academia mirrors what's going on in our politics, and it's all horrifying. And um, wow, good and, morning. and in our society. And George Will wrote about it, and uh, and there's a longer uh, piece about it that I wanted to bring to you that goes back to the the Sokol hoax of 1996, which I had never heard about at the time. Uh, but it's another example of of introducing a paper to the world of academia and them just taking it. Oh yeah, that makes perfectly good sense, even though it was crap. Yeah, and how it fits in with our politics. But one of the things that... Uh, what's, what's the tie-in? Or, I mean, how does it fit? Um, the main point is that we've just abandoned the idea of fact. Hmm. We just... just uh, fact and reason are out the window, and if it sounds good and fits the theme of our side, we run with it. Right. Yeah. And some people have figured out that you can run with it uh, because enough people will, will back you up. And um, George Will who hates Donald Trump points out some things that Donald Trump has said that uh, there's, there's little evidence to back up. Sure. Oh yeah. All sorts of stuff. Um, uh, but George will said this didn't start with Donald Trump and, and uses the example of Harry Reid when Mitt Romney was running for president against Barack Obama and Harry Reid at that time, the leader of the Senate of the United States, which is a pretty big position 
stated that Mitt Romney had not paid taxes in 10 years. Right. With no evidence whatsoever. Nope. He just made that up. And that was a huge news story and talking point for weeks. And then after the election, Harry Reid was asked about that. You know, you said that with no evidence. What do you have to say about that? He said Mitt Romney lost, didn't he? That was his only response to that. Mm -hmm. He just made something up that sounded good for a giant chunk of the country and ran with it. And how it fits in with academics and politics. And we're all just looking for stuff that sounds good. And we're all willing to, I'm not sure, I, 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 kinda, I probably ought to drill down on that, but whatever. Right. I'm just going with it. Well, we get those email forwards every yeah, single day. sure. Hey, it's probably and we're worth, all right now in this country kind of built that way. It's probably worth noting at this point that there are people who openly state facts and logic are uh, an oppressive structure foisted upon us by the white man, by the patriarchy. Any appeal to facts and logic is racist. It's about my truth. So at least people are openly calling for the end of facts and logic. I mean, at least they're brave enough. Instead of lying to you and claiming what they say is true, Harry Reid style, they just say it doesn't matter if anything's true. And in fact, even asking the question is somehow racist. Now, Don't that, you, did that you there are a tenth of a percent of humanity that is somehow cowed or intimidated by that. And say, well, I better be quiet because they call me a racist. I mean, if you're that person, my God, it, find some balls. To go down to your local veterinary clinic and when they remove them from dogs, maybe have them implanted. Have a little courage uh, behind your convictions, my friends. But do you do you see a unnecessarily a, graphic illustration of the principle? Yes? Do you see a similarity there between the, the the college campuses and their various publications and and political sure. rallies? Oh yeah, and that you can just say things. Yes, that have, that's a great tie. They have the buzzwords of your side, and the crowd doesn't say, "Wait a second, I don't think that's true." Or yeah, I don't think. <laughs> can you dogs, back that up? And and this is specifically from one of the papers that those academics got published. No, wait a minute. I don't think dogs humping in a dog park says anything about rape cultural culture or heteronormative pressure on homosexual unions. Or I think it's just dogs humping. But no, people aren't willing to say that, and so these papers get published. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, well, that has something to do with tribalism, too. Uh, if absolutely. you are under attack, and this is, this is you gotta, you know, anthropology ought to be required studies for everybody, so you understand the animal within you. Um, if you are under attack, you don't have the luxury of philosophical musings. You don't really have the luxury of fact-checking if you're literally under attack. And that's incredibly useful politically, because if you convince people that they're actually under attack, they won't bother to, you know, assess facts. And that fits in with, and I hope we're not getting too 400 level that, you know, it's 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 hard to pay attention to as you're driving in your car and paying attention to other things. But that fits in with that, that study that you had that the most extreme version of your side is what people are attracted to. That's just the way we are. It's more of a signal that you're on our side. Right. Even if even if it's something we don't think we believe, right? It's the it's a signal to us on a deeper level of tribalism, right. That that person is on our side, which Trump fully understands. That's straight out of Tribe by Sebastian Younger, most important book okay. published in the last hundred years. So Trump fully understands that's the that. sort of hyperbole that nobody checks these days. And, but it is an incredibly important. And book. maybe Harry Reid understood it. Maybe lots yeah. of maybe politicians have always understood this. Yeah, and they're amoral, so they go ahead. Yeah. 
You can say something that we all know isn't quite true or doesn't quite make sense, but you indicating that you're completely 100% invested in our side. It's your MAGA hat. It's your rainbow flag. Makes us want to go with that. You. Yeah. Wow, that's really interesting. It really is. And it's worth uh, looking at, uh, looking for, rather, through your day. If that was too 400-level poli anthropology for you, how about this? It was once seriously considered nuking hurricanes. <laughs> Who considered that? I'll tell you all about it. (laughs) Seriously, you got a hurricane bearing down on the Florida panhandle? All that damage, loss of life? F that, nuke it! I suppose I'd be willing to sit down for a moment if you could explain to me how that would, like, spin the air the other direction and, and neutralize the hurricane. Exactly. And not destroy a portion of the Earth for a thousand years, but... What, you're going to get hung up on that? <laughs> Baby. i got to tell you later about this Sokol hoax that is the mother of this thing that happened last week that God, is I just have... fantastic. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I want to hear about that. You know, know, we can get to nuking the hurricanes before too long. but the... Making fun of academics is, uh, you know, I, I could never get tired of that. Oh, but... No kidding. <laughs> it's like playoff baseball. It's always great. <laughs> Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Some business news I read that Sears is about to file for bankruptcy. Employees knew that there was a chance this could happen when every Sears closed five years ago. (laughs) That's a good joke. Yeah. That's uh, that's a fine understatement. That's what made that funny. By the way, speaking of uh, economics. I dissect a joke, (laughs) which kills the joke. (laughs) We got this text. It's a mistake to assume that the collapsing stock market's irrelevant to most of your listeners. Most blah, blah, blah. Retirement, 401k pension. I, I don't know. Oh, we didn't for a minute assume it was or suggest it was irrelevant. I don't remember suggesting that the that there are collapsing stock markets. I don't. No, collapsing is absolutely the wrong word. Right. I think that's a, an overstatement. So. Uh, well, that's yeah. In fact, if the stock market collapses, we will cover it here on the Armstrong and Getty Show. That's it a is ridiculous not statement, my friend. It is not. So uh, no. Yeah. It has declined somewhat in an overdue correction. Yeah. So and, that was quite a hurricane that hit the uh, the coast the other day. Strongest in fifty years or something like that. Yeah, yeah. The Gulf of Mexico is. Uh, excuse me. Give me just a moment here. I uh, have to do just one thing, and that is whoops or not. Okay, sneeze. Nope. Apparently not. It's receded. I thought I was going to sneeze with the category three force of <laughs> hurricane. What's his ass? Uh, yeah, the Gulf of Mexico is really really warm right now, and so it's uh, emp- empowering hurricanes. I'm. I believe in empowering hurricanes. Um, and I call them hemicanes. That's good. That's super, super. Um, every, uh, every year for the past six decades, this is from the good folks at National Geographic, government agencies have, reserved, uh, have received missives from concerned citizens urging preemptive attacks against hurricanes using nuclear weapons. Hmm? This is a constant in America, that Noah gets people demanding that the hurricanes be nuked. 
And it's it's funny to me that it's such an enduring idea. Um, needless to say, this is not a good idea, says uh, Noah. Uh, I actually met somebody whose son works for Noah. Uh, what his, is NOAA? Uh, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Maybe it's the work. government weather people. Mm. Uh, let's see. You uh, you have called for the preemptive jailing of meteorologists, right? Because they're liars, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I like this sentence. Uh, <clears throat> Needless to say, this is not a good idea, says Noah, in what is arguably one of the most succinct understatements on record. <laughs> Yet, because the nuke a hurricane myth won't die, Noah maintains a web page exclusively devoted to debunking this proposal. No kidding. Yes. Yeah. Similarly, the U.S. Geological Survey has an online report debunking divining rods and water dousing, which is kind of the way. I don't know what water dousing is. I know divining rods is you have a stick and it points to where water is. Right. It's the Ouija board of, of like, trying to get a drink. <laughs> <laughs> the Ouija board of being thirsty. I don't remember what water dousing is. I've read about it, but it's it's similar. It's it's trying to find water magically. Positive, Sean? Do you have a, something? A type of divination employ, employed in attempts to locate groundwater, okay. buried okay. metals, or ores. So but, they have a page. <laughs> Where are my ores? I can't find my ores. <laughs> they have a page at Noah dealing with those sticks. Uh, that's at uh, the G- U.S. Geological Survey, but yeah. <laughs> Saying they don't work. In a speech delivered at the National Press Club on October 11th of 1961, Francis W. Reicheldurfer, head of the U.S. Weather Bureau, said he could, quote, imagine the possibility someday of exploding a nuclear bomb on a hurricane far at sea. Now, he was a government scientist. Um, He added that the Weather Bureau would not begin acquiring its own nuclear arsenal, quote, until we know what we're doing, (laughs) which is reassuring. So, you know, 60, going on 60 years ago, the head of the Weather Bureau actually did float that idea. It was really popular um, in in Texas uh, in 1961 after that state was struck by a Category 5 hurricane that caused more than $2 billion in damage. I don't know if that's... I suspect in uh, 2018 dollars, it would be many, many, many billions of dollars. For some reason, when I was in grade school, I think when the teachers were hungover or didn't have a plan together, we would watch these documentaries about major hurricanes. Mm -hmm. And I just loved them. God, I just loved them. Yeah, yeah. And then Bertha bore down on Alabama. Oh, Alabama, take cover, Alabama. An editorial in the Longview Daily News in 61 said, Could Hurricane Carla have been broken up or greatly modified or its course turned back to sea by nuclear bombs? The suggestion that man-made explosions may affect hurricanes cannot be dismissed. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Is there a level of weather that we uh, we modern humans have never experienced that could be coming our way? That maybe existed during the dinosaurs and like we don't know about? Wow. Is that possible, or am I, you know... A completely unknown weather phenomenon? I suppose physics is a thing, so there are, there are limits, I suppose. What do you have in mind? I don't know, like 500-mile-an-hour winds. I mean, maybe, okay. was that common 25,000 years ago when temperatures were at a certain level and it could come back again? 75-foot storm surges? Something that modern man just isn't equipped for? Mm. I don't know. Mm. So this scientist... If you do know, 415-295-KFTC is the text line. 415-295-KFTC. In 1959, there was uh, something called the Plowshare Program. It was a government initiative to develop peaceful uses for nuclear weapons 
in science and industry. What other uses did they have that were as good as turning back hurricanes? Some of the most infamous <laughs> plowshare proposals, and I am going to research this, uh, included plans to use nukes to create an instant harbor on the coast of Alaska. Wow. And to excavate a new Panama Canal. Wow. Well, just nuke Panama. Wow. Did they not understand radiation at the time? I don't think they appreciated it fully. Well, obviously they didn't. Um, if you read, uh, the, what was the name of that book I read about a uh, guy was in the military on the uh, the little islands out in the ocean when they were testing the H-bombs. Oh, they yeah. just had them stand there and put on your sunglasses, and they put on their sunglasses and then explode, a, explode an H-bomb right in front of them. They didn't even put on like that lead vest thing you no. get at the dentist when, no. you, know, when you get no. x-rays? They just put on Nothing. sunglasses because they knew it was really bright. <laughs> yeah. Now, what was the name of that book? I remember you telling me. I jotted it it's down. It's freaking fantastic. So in the, in his paper, this uh, scientist speculated a submarine could travel underwater to penetrate the eye of a hurricane. Very clever. Where it would launch and detonate one or more nuclear missiles. The ensuing explosion would loft most of the relatively warm air in the hurricane's eye above the storm into the stratosphere. It pushed up by the blast of the mushroom cloud. The warm air would then be replaced by colder, denser air, reducing the wind speed and weakening the storm. I'll never hear the word mushroom without thinking of Donald Trump for the rest of my life. Oh, for God's sake. Thanks you for will. That. You, if you stop bringing oh, it up. Shut up. Right. Thanks for that, Sean. Or I guess thanks for that, Stormy Daniels. Uh, just uh, for the purposes of enlightenment, uh, the reason uh, this wouldn't work is there's not nearly enough energy in a nuclear explosion. The heat release from a hurricane is equivalent to a 10 megaton nuclear bomb exploding every 20 minutes. In wow. order to shrink a Cat 5 to a Cat 2 hurricane, you would have to add about a half ton of air for each square yard inside the eye, or a total of a bit more than a half a billion tons for an eye 25 miles in diameter. Uh, it, 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 you would have to carpet bomb it with nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Essentially, we got it. And that's that's not acceptable, according to those who lack the courage to confront the hurricane menace. So that was a, obviously a powerful hurricane. But ever since that video came out a couple of weeks ago of that last hurricane where you had the reporter leaning into the wind and then people just walked behind him in flip flops. It was hard for me to take any footage seriously. Yeah, I know. I know. And, and, and that's a shame. And doesn't that relate to so many stories these yep, days where yep. false reports uh, raise cynicism sure. and true reports are no longer believed? Yep. It did make me cynical. Because about- there are people suffering terribly. What's coming up your news, Marshall? Really close call for U.S. and Russia astronauts this morning. There's a game called Deportation at the heart of a controversy at a California middle school, and the case against Harvey Weinstein may be unraveling. I read that. I was what? so disappointed to yep. see that. Yeah, it's, uh, he may walk from yep. this. I Damn it. I won't dare tune away. Damn it. That's very disappointing, scumbag. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. think of of why they're trying to register people to vote through their driver's licenses. Or at least I didn't think of it. Maybe we'll get into that later. Let's okay. get to the news now with Marsha Phillips. Uh, quick update. Washington Post reporting U.S. Intel has intercepted Saudi Arabian officials talking about a plan ordered by the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman 
to lure the missing Saudi journalist from his home in Virginia back to Saudi Arabia and then detain him. Which is proof proof they were out to get him. And we're going to talk to Shane Harris of the Washington Post. Obviously, they have a real interest in solving this. Right. Uh, Yeah, he was a a WAPO journalist. But, you know, as interesting as that is, the disclosure of that is an enormous diplomatic nuclear bomb. The fact that this has been yeah. put out is amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was on purpose. Yeah. Obviously. Wow. Oh, and, and Lindsey Graham's reaction, <clears throat> the Senate's reaction yesterday. we got to get into all that. An astronaut, NASA astronaut, and his Russian counterpart are in good condition after their Soyuz capsule had to make an emergency landing today. American Nick Haig and the Russian astronaut were headed up to the International Space Station after a launch from Kazakhstan. Initial reports indicate there was a massive malfunction with the rocket's booster possibly failing to separate but they managed to make an emergency hard landing in the escape escape module yeah this was apollo 13 triple dangerous uh, scary scary stuff yeah and if you saw any of the video i mean they did not come down gently in uh boy i mean it was a hard landing so they're going to be okay and russia said uh we're going to hold off on any more launches till we figure out exactly what happened here A school in Oceanside, California, is at the center of a controversy over a board game made by students for a class project at Cesar Chavez Middle School. Apparently, 4th, 7th, and 8th graders created a game featuring the goal of being the first player to cross the border into the United States and reach an American flag. Players could also deport each other with the roll of the dice. Now, while the race of the children hasn't been confirmed, they apparently went to their teacher got it approved, and now angry parents are calling out the school board about the, quote, perceived lack of cultural sensitivity at the school. One former student saying, It's not a game. It's like a life or death situation. It's like you can't, you're risking your life to come over here to have a better life for your family. And according to the There's o- some tearful political analysis by a child. <laughs> <laughs> According to the Oceanside School Superintendent, Dr. Julie Vitali, the project was intended to develop collaboration, decision-making, and learning to divide a workload. You know, I'm of two minds on this story. Number one, as usual, everybody's going to be fine. The whole, I'm aggrieved, I'm a gram triggered, I'm aggrieved. God, it's so pathetic and phony. On the other hand, uh, teacher, failure to read the room. Seriously, you couldn't no come kidding. up with another premise no that kidding. wouldn't be hmm, explosively controversial? The fate of the teacher hasn't been confirmed. The school district says the families of the students in question have been contacted and that the district is using the incident to, it's te- a teachable moment. to, to teach students an important life lesson about unintended consequences. I like to, I like to call every really giant mistake I make in my life a teachable moment for others. I like calling teachers teaching teachable moments. Yes. <laughs> uh, latest word, the case against Harvey Weinstein, it may be unraveling. This really sucks, because he's clearly a horrifying uh, rapist slash predator, allegedly. The New York prosecutors dropped part of the sex assault case against the disgraced movie mogul. That happened this morning. That part of the case that was dropped, uh, because as the New York Post has reported, the prosecutors found a written note from the accuser, one of the accusers, suggesting that the oral sex involved in the charges happened to be consensual. The Post says the note comes from the woman's former employer who found the information on the company computer. 
The woman is one of three whose allegations of abuse are being prosecuted by the DA's and office. This, this came out of the prosecutors. But how did the how did the employer have her written notes, and how did they just come to light now? That whole thing is weird. Yeah, they're saying the evidence was found on a work computer. Yeah, so that was a... Employers see everything you type on your computer. They certainly have the option. They have the option. Um, I don't know if they store it and went back and looked at her stuff or or what happened there. Or why. What motivated them to paw through everything she'd ever written? Presumably they could have done a search. I guess, but do they hang on to everything? What was their motivation? Do they hang on to everything you run through the computer when you work someplace? I don't know. Are your emails? I suppose they're somewhere. They're in the cloud. Yeah, they're always in the cloud. Hey, one last note: the American Music Award ratings down twenty five percent from last year. No way! Wow, it's as if people are sick of, tired of, can't understand why they'd ever watch award shows. Yeah, something like six and a half million people watched this year. See, it's it's I am. The media is stuck on this as something worth mentioning. If six million people are watching, it's not worth mentioning at all. It's a, it's a no, small show. You would show. have to mention every medium successful sitcom episode of uh, Better Call Saul, whatever. Yeah, I mean, every, almost every sporting event that ever occurs. Right. Yeah. yeah. God, yeah. almost every sporting event gets six million people watching it. Oh so. yeah. Any, yeah. any national sporting event. So, yeah, you'd have to talk about, and the Brewers beat whoever 3-2 to two last night. we got to tell you that because 6 million people watched. Right. I'm here to pronounce it. Let me be the one. Awards shows are dead. They will be mourned by no one. Let's get over it. It's okay. They killed the Golden Goose, too. They did it to themselves. Sure. Yeah. Part of it is the uh, other entertainment that's available. and Right. And you can see these people anywhere all the time right. on YouTube and everything. Part of it is that. But they put out too many award shows. Exactly. Right. And the same people over and over again yeah. are getting the awards. Taylor Swift on you an know? award show. You want to talk about something that's not novel. <laughs> right. Taylor Swift on an award show. Right. right. Holy crap. Plus the splintering of entertainment options. But who, what am I, the county coroner over here? I don't care why it's dead. It's dead. It's dead. Let's stop thinking about it, talking about it. When the Oscars come... Let's pretend it doesn't happen, except that the the self-conscious and self-congratulatory virtue signaling of Hollywood is so delicious to watch. Yes. It's so horrifarious, horrifying and hilarious that I'm not sure I can look away. So Taylor Swift announced to six million people they that she vote. they should vote. Big, yeah. big freaking deal. Yeah. There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips here. I'm starting a Getty show, The Conscience of the Nation. There is a bit of an outdated measuring of that though the the amount of people who heard taylor swift say i love you all get out there and vote is way more than the people who watched it live on decent TV. point and that's yes. what the late night shows count on yeah. it's yeah. all the uh people watching clips of their show on youtube that's where they get their viewership right. that's where they get their power still dead you can't revive it sean <laughs> put, put your i still away. don't understand award shows <laughs> me neither kanye kanye was on to this a long time ago right it's probably what he's talking to trump about in the white house today yes. when will we and award shows, Mr. President. Uh, the Washington Post is pretty interested in, in where one of their reporters went, or if that reporter is dead. We're going to get the latest on that coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the, of nation. the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
this as we're playing Grammy nominee. I mean, uh, this is Rufus and Shaka Khan from Gr- Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inducted um, people are nominated. So the Senate's going to crack down on Saudi Arabia if it turns out they did something awful with this journalist. Senator Lindsey Graham said yesterday he predicted a bipartisan tsunami of action if the Saudis were involved and then said that the death could alter the nature of relations between the two countries. There are a, pretty strong talk. A number of unusually strong straight statements being made, not only by senators, but by the president himself. Uh, Shane Harris, who covers intelligence and national security for The Washington Post, joins us to discuss the di- disappearance of Washington Post columnist Jamal Khashoggi. Uh, Shane, welcome. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's it's our pleasure. I think, like many, many people, uh, we're not only interested in this, but... Um, pretty offended by the notion that our good friend the Saudis would uh, be snatching up U.S. journalists, whether they be citizens or not. Uh, What's the latest? What do we know? Well, the latest that we have, as we reported today in the Post, is that uh, uh, there was a plan before Jamal went missing in the consulate in Istanbul to try and actually lure him back to Saudi Arabia, where he would be detained uh, and possibly interrogated, uh, and that this was approved at the highest levels of the Saudi government by the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, of whom uh, Jamal Khashoggi had been a pretty outspoken critic. So what we're seeing here emerging is a kind of a a long-term plan by the Saudis to try and get him back. And the fact that he was then apparently, you know, attacked in a consulate in Istanbul rather than some kind of interrogation back in Saudi Arabia has fueled a lot of speculation among intelligence officials and other experts that what we're seeing here happening at the consulate was some kind of potentially a kidnapping or a rendition that went wrong, that this was maybe some kind of backup plan if they couldn't get him in Saudi, try to get him in Turkey. Uh, uh, And then, uh, you know, what we're hearing from Turkish investigators, of course, is that he was killed inside the consulate. We don't have any independent corroboration of that yet, uh, but I think a lot of people uh, fear the worst at this point. Our government at this point is very, very leaky on a lot of things, um, which is the grain of salt with which to take what I'm about to say. Normally, I would think the disclosure, the leaking of that intelligence would be an extraordinary thing for our government to do. With an ally? With spying, an ally. Spying on the communications of our allies. Right. To to say, not only are we listening to you, but when we were, we heard you talking about this. We know what you're up to. Or or do you suspect it was a, a rogue, uh, lower-level intelligence official who just took it upon themselves to leak this? Well, I can't speak to my sourcing, obviously, uh, and motivations. Well, that's right. You would know, wouldn't you? (laughs) You, He actually knows. You're actually the guy who knows the answer to this question. It was a rather odd thing to overlook on my part. Uh, But go on, Shane. You were carefully Uh, crafting an answer. That's why you were laughing, is that he was speculating like it was third person something or other, and you're you're standing right here. I know the answer to your question, and I won't tell it to you. Right. Um, uh, No, but I think, look, I mean, one thing you have to remember, too, it, it, it is, it might surprise people, of course, that we do spy on allies, and, of course, we do, uh, and, and we've reported on, at the Post as well previously on uh, communications intercepts that uh, demonstrate what people in foreign governments in the Middle East are saying about people in the White House, particularly Jared Kushner, the president's son-in-law, uh, how they believe that he might be amenable to Middle Eastern policies because he needed money for his business. Uh, you know, there's been a lot that has come out. Uh, you're right, extraordinary. This kind of information usually isn't exposed, but, you know, we do keep tabs on foreign governments for precisely these kinds of reasons, uh, you know, you've, that even though they are nominally our allies and we have some mutual interests, 
there is a real need to make sure that foreign governments are doing what they say they're going to do, that they're not, uh, you know, conspiring about us behind our back. Uh, and, and I think that they certainly know that. Uh, when sometimes they don't always act like they know that they're being watched, uh, but they understand, I think, that that's part of the game. That is the nature of espionage. It was reading your article that I was reminded that Jared Kushner and MBS are uh, at least friendly. They've had some private conversations between the two of them. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's safe to say that the the U.S.-Saudi relationship runs via Jared Kushner and Mohammed bin Salman right now at the highest levels. They have a very close personal and professional relationship that's developed uh, since Jared Kushner took office. And, you know, and there's some real similarities between them. These are both guys uh, in their 30s. They are in positions of extraordinary influence and power and had very little track record to speak of in government. Jared Kushner had no government experience. And Mohammed bin Salman rose to the position of crown prince very quickly in Saudi Arabia and elbowed out a lot of his competition and neutralized them to do it. Um, This fact, the fact that Mohammed bin Salman is such a kind of impetuous actor, uh, coupled with the fact that he has so much proximity to Kushner, who himself is inexperienced, causes a lot of anxiety, I have to say, for, for U.S. intelligence officials. Shane Harris is a national security reporter for the Washington Post. How solid does uh, the Turkey Turkish story seem that uh, that uh, Mr. Khashoggi was killed inside the consulate? I'm, I don't make a habit of believing everything the Erdogan government says. Yeah, it, it, it's, you're asking the right question, and it is hard to say, because the Turks have every incentive to paint Saudi Arabia in the worst light, to pin this on them. What, what I can say is that I think that the United States intelligence community is spending a lot of time and will continue to do so to try and verify and corroborate this information. Um, there is a good intelligence partnership. It's not the best between the Turks uh, and the Americans. Remember, the Turks are a member of NATO, and there's kind of a strong alliance that runs via that uh, channel. Um, so, but I think that we have to be you know, very cautious on this because all of this information about what happened inside that building, it is coming from one place right now, and that is the Turks. So MBS, uh, who's in charge of Saturday every night right now, he, um, uh, he locked up the other princes, threw them in, in jail. It was, you know, it's the Ritz-Carlton or whatever, but they, they weren't allowed to leave, tortured some of them, declared, I'm in charge now. And and some of the world looked at it as, okay, he's, he's, he had to do what he had to do because he's a reformer, he's a modern this and that, going to be a good guy. I thought it was a pretty big tip-off when, he, when, it, when, when we found out that he bought the world's biggest yacht, the world's most expensive painting, and the world's most expensive home. <laughs> I thought, what kind of a reformer does that? I mean, that's just a weird thing to do. But isn't he completely exposed now? He's just another Middle Eastern thug. Yeah, you know, and I have some affection for that story about the painting because I broke that at the Wall Street Journal. And, you know, you're exactly right. I mean, this is someone painting himself as a reformer. And I think that, you know, in the West particularly, you know, there has been some tremendous press from Mohammed bin Salman. He's been interviewed on 60 Minutes. You know, he's been favorably written about by leading columnists, particularly at the New York Times. Um, but there is this other aspect to him, which is that he is, you know, uh, quite, I think, um, ruthless uh, in the way that he is seized power. That's obvious. Uh, that is something that I, certainly people in the Central Intelligence Agency have been watching for a long time. And where he is at now, particularly now with the, the potential murder uh, of a journalist who, who was writing for us and who was not only a critic of the regime, but, but had been close to the royal family in Saudi Arabia. Jamal Khashoggi was not some kind of ink-stained wretch throwing you know, stones at the palace. He was an insider. He just happened to be a critic. 
MBS Muhammad bin Salman now finds himself in this moment where there are these very conflicting versions of who he is. Are you the reformer, kind of Western, you know, liberal-minded person, or are you, as you put it, just another person hell-bent on seizing power and you'll eliminate whoever you have to do to get it? It's that second one. Well, and, um, I, I, I disagree. <laughs> I think it's halfway in between. We're down to our final 40 seconds, but, you know, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. In, in the land of the Saudis, MBS is a reformer. I mean... He's slightly less backward. I think it's a sleight of hand. The old women get to drive. That's just a... Well, you can be both ruthless and a reformer. <laughs> well, right. That's exactly what I'm saying. And uh, yeah. we shall uh, observe together as these events unfold. Shane Harris of the Washington Post. Uh, Shane, a real pleasure. Well done. Thank you. You're quite welcome. Thanks for having me. You got it. How freaking good was he? Oh, he's terrific. He's uh, among the best. I'm the guy who actually got the information yeah. from the government. about, And I'm also the guy who broke the story on MBS buying the paintings. Hey, so. if you're not going to blow your horn, who will? Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. That was good stuff right there. Gold star. Mr. Shane Harris. Yeah, that, that's going to be a heck of a story to follow for decades to come, yeah. probably. You're, to listen, come. you're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.